Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, we welcome recent transplants David and Nick. Just a month into their Portuguese adventure, they recount a transition smoother than anticipated, made possible by one game-changing company. You'll be captivated by their insights, experiences, and the enchanting Portuguese way of life. You don't want to miss this one. Josh, Kaylee, hello. Hi, Dan. Hey, what's up, Dan? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing really well. The, the week's gotten off to a good start, so... Busy as usual, but yeah. that's all right. Awesome. Well, summer's in full swing here. Uh, let's see. We had barbecues all weekend. Sweet. My kid's out of school. Uh, the pool's all open next week, so uh, uh, yeah, it's my favorite time of year here. I think that, uh, I mean, it, obviously, it's, it's nice here as well, but in a city, it feels a little different. It's hard to kind it of does. tell that it's full-on summer. Like, Valencia will have a different schedule, so right. it won't be as, like, you know, school, like, her little classes will be different. They'll be doing more, like, outside activities and such. But as far as city goes, the main thing that we've noticed is tourism has just really picked up. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yes, yes. Anytime you go kind of downtown in the thick of it, it definitely feels like summer tourism is uh is in full swing now i think it does probably get even a bit worse late july early august but you know for me i love summer because i'm a summer baby so i I have this attachment to birthday josh turns 40 in july everyone all right nice it's coming up well happy birthday we're gonna have to do a special birthday episode okay sounds good sounds good now that leads me into my next question what do Portuguese kids do or expat kids in Portugal do in summertime? Like is summer camp a regular thing there? 
they do have little camps or like VBS, mm-hmm. like the churches will do some VBS stuff. So they mm-hmm. do have those types of activities, I would say. You'll see a lot more kid groups going out to like the zoo or the aquarium. Yeah, like so it's like they're with their school. Yeah, mm. they're with their school and they go on field trips, I guess. So you yeah. see a lot more of that in the summer, like the field trip stuff. Yeah, I think the curriculums start to kind of expand a little bit. Things okay. get a little, a little more open. I right. wish they do it all year round, to be honest. I know. I, yeah, they should. Mm. But then for kids who are older, they have their big holiday time in August. And actually, a lot of schools will either have the whole month of August off or Valencia's it's just the last three weeks of August. So that's when everyone gets a full on vacation time. And that's why that month is so busy for travel. Yep. So it's a lot more expensive. Yes. You'll see like Algarve grows in population by like the millions because that's <laughs> the European thing that everyone travels in August. So that is a very busy month. Absolutely. But for the pools and such, they don't have as many. They have some public pools around Porto. So that stuff gets busy. All the outdoor stuff is busy. But it's kind of like the same like in the winter. All the indoor stuff is busy because it's, you know, cool and rainy. So all that stuff stays really, really busy. Yeah, I have nothing to add there. You're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Josh right. hasn't really been, you know, not too in, too much in the thick of the kids scene for that stuff. Because generally, no, yeah. see and, it out. And I mean, I was going to say like with the pools <laughs> – there are some outdoor pools even up here, definitely, but you tend to find those more like more Lisbon South. Uh, you'll find hotels that have pools. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're not talking necessarily about kids, although we kind of are. You know, when you're traveling um, around from place to place as a family, you, you tend to like hotels that have pools. Yeah, pool, pool goes a right long there. way. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a, a built-in activity for your kid. Uh, so. Yeah. Those are those are open. The ones that are outdoors, uh, but the pools are open. here, especially around the city in Porto, are more like pools that are meant for swimming lessons and swimming yes. laps and stuff. Yes. So not so much for fun because they're indoor. Yes, right? I do want to say if anybody is traveling in Algarve or especially Alentejo during the summer months, make sure that you stay somewhere that has a pool. Because especially Alentejo gets super hot. It's on the interior of the country. Most of the region is on the interior of the country anyways. And uh, they do have a small coastline, but nobody goes to that town. (laughs) Um, So so it does get very hot there and you'll want to have a place to cool off. It could be extremely beneficial. Airbnb that has a pool. And sunscreen. You definitely want a lot of sunscreen. Bring your sunscreen. (laughs) Yes. Pro tip. Pro tip. Now, clearly Portugal has lots of beaches on the ocean. Hmm. But I've also read about uh, beaches, beaches being popular like along the Duro, in yes. the Duro Valley or along the, is that the Duro River there? Yeah. Well, it, not just the Duro has it, but um, the, the, the Tejo, which is the, the Tagus River in English. I actually never knew the, that it had a different name in English. I just knew it as the Tejo. Right. You know? From our time in Spain too, right? I mean, because we learned about it. Well, we lived there. yeah. I mean, the, that's the river that cuts through Lisbon. Is the Tejo. And uh, so Alan Tejo gets its name from the Tejo River. Um, but anyways, yes, you're exactly right. There are what are called river beaches here. And it will be, you know, fairly decent sized pl- plots of yeah. sand that have some sort of more like lake activities. It has more of a lake feel yeah, than definitely. it does a river, for sure. That's what it looked like to me. You yes. know, we, we're here close to Wisconsin, close to Michigan. Yeah, we do a lot of summer lake time. Yeah, so if if you're an American that that understands kind of lake culture, that's more or less what it is here. Maybe 
minus the jet skis and, and boats. But in you terms get of paddle like, boarding and stuff that we've seen in some of exactly, them. Exactly. Stuff yes. like that. Because that, it's calmer water. It's yes. calmer water. So it doesn't have like, you know, the waves of it of an ocean. It's yes. not as cold, which is really nice. Yes. So Good that's point. a huge perk. Yeah, they're set up really nicely. They're all different. Some are just kind of just you know, beach to sand. Others mm. will have like, you know, kiosks, cafes around them. Oh, they're they're awesome. really nice. And they yeah. get packed. Mm-hmm. They get absolutely packed. Nice alternative to the ocean. Yeah. And, you know, we hear a lot of Portuguese people say that they actually prefer those. Uh, yeah. I th- Yeah. I think I, I would. I see how, yeah. yeah. You know, because it's uh, not salt water either. Right. right. It's fresh, fresh water. water. So mm-hmm. big difference. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Josh, you had a great talk this week with David and Nick. They're newcomers to Portugal, right? Yep, that's right. We we got connected with them through the channel, really. And then, um, yeah, we just kind of sparked up some conversations about what their immigration process has been like and being new to the country. And being in Lisbon. And being in Lisbon, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, I like them a lot. I thought that they uh, they had a lot of great information. Yeah, Kaylee, have you had a chance to meet them yet? I actually haven't met them in person yet, but plan to, especially because we'll have a an open meetup and a patron meetup down in August, at the end of August. So I'll definitely meet them when we get down to Lisbon. Nice. That sounds fun. Any other meetups coming up soon that we need to know about? Yes. So we have we have two patron meetups that we're doing. So for any of those of you that are patrons, uh, we do we are starting to do patron-only meetups. Uh, or at least a portion will be patron only, and then we'll open it up to a broader group. We're doing a patron meetup up in Porto on August 2nd. And uh, head on over to our Patreon page to find out the details about that. Obviously, we can't just say it here. Otherwise, everybody will show up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, the, the next big one, honestly, is, is July 4th. July 4th, we're teaming up with AFPOP, and we're doing an event that is down by the riverside. That's going to start at five o'clock food will start at six and it's and not it, exclusive to americans oh Anyone correct come, anybody yeah anybody patrons non-patrons americans non-americans uh doesn't matter that will um yeah that will be at mon chic resto bar so that's mon mon chic mon chic i don't even know how, how you'd say it in english mon chic is the name of a town so they've borrowed the name it's the name of a town in portugal so mon chic resto bar um caixa caixa das pedras Five is the address. You can check our socials for the details. <laughs> yes, exactly. Instagram, Instagram, we've pinned the post. And we're just letting other people know about the, the other meetup. So we do have another meetup in Lisbon on August 26th, starting at 6.30? Yes. Yes. And that's going to be on top of the world at the Mundial, Mundial Hotel Rooftop Bar. Yeah, it's a beautiful bar rooftop bar. So that'll be a lot of fun. But again, our socials will have all this. And then our newsletter, too. I know we talk about the newsletter a lot, but I always put this stuff in the newsletter. And that one, the one in Lisbon, it does need some sort of RSVP. Normally for our open meetups, we don't ask for RSVP, but this one has uh, capacity on the roof. Uh, Go figure. (laughs) So if you get up there and you don't have a reservation, they're just going to throw you over the edge. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, No, so so we just ask that you, you just RSVP and let us know how many people are coming just to make sure that we don't over book and we'll have a link for that so don't just email us and say hey i want to come uh we will have a link we'll so put that, that we can in track the it show notes in the show notes yeah cool all your socials uh and your patreon page are all at expatseverywhere.com, right that's it awesome don't go anywhere listener we'll be back with more from david and nick and their early experiences in portugal right after this let's do it 
WorldPost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Gentlemen, I'm really excited to to dive into what it's like for someone who's only been here for about a month, because I think that there are a lot of listeners out there that are going to be able to resonate with kind of the feelings and emotions that you've experienced over the past, let's say, four months, and people that are in the thick of what you're experiencing now being here for you know about five, six weeks or whatever. So before we dive all the way in, we have to know kind of where you all started. Where did this journey begin and why did you want to move abroad? That's a good question. I, uh, I may have been the instigator here um, since uh, I've always kind of wanted to live abroad. And um, I actually, a uh, long time ago in high school, my family uh, reconnected with my Italian family. And so we got to meet them for the first time. They came here. We went to Italy and that kind of sparked an interest in languages and cultures and wanting to travel and explore. And um, so in the back of my mind, I always knew I wanted to live abroad. And um, then I kind of over the years prodded David to uh, be interested in it and, and explore it. And um, little by little, Portugal came on the scenes. And not Italy. 
and not Italy. Yeah, that's a good question. I think so. That kind of goes into yeah why we chose Portugal, and I think um, the D seven process or D seven visa um, process was appealing to us. Um, okay, the requirements. Um, and also even the path to citizenship was very interesting for both of us. Um, Portugal with being five years to be able to apply for citizenship was attractive. I think in Italy, it's around 10. I'd have to check that. But, um, yeah, it was definitely, um, the idea of getting EU citizenship and then being, having the flexibility, um, later was, was appealing. Yeah. Yeah. That mobility and and being able to get it in a shorter time span than most European countries is super appealing. And I think um, it's it's one of the whys that people have. But David, I'm curious to know from your standpoint, what are the whys that you have? Since Nick kind of had this experience with family in Italy, what started to draw you apart from your partner pushing you in that direction? Well, I think for me, especially after we had um, made our, our first trip uh, to Portugal, the overall slower pace of life and less stressful um, uh, culture really spoke to me. That's something I would, uh, I'm very much looking forward to getting more and more um, uh, away from the high stress, fast paced lives that we, unfortunately, I think many people in America have, and we certainly had. Um, uh, work stress, um, uh, just the, just too fast pace uh, pace of living for us, and so that's I think that's was the main why for me I wanted to live abroad um, was a slower pace of life. Uh, okay. So it didn't. And what were some of the things as you started to research Portugal? What were some of the things that drew you into Portugal as being that place apart from the five year pathway to to citizenship, um, and and maybe the slower pace of life. Because I think a lot of kind of Southern Europe has that appeal, whether it's south mm-hmm. of France or Spain or Italy or Greece, all of those countries have a similar kind of slower pace of life. But what was it about Portugal that it was like, yeah, this is the place? Well, I think there's a lot of things for me. And uh, after we, we took two, I think what people call scouting trips, yep. uh, one where we um, toured the entire country, we tried to hit as many cities as we could. And one where we focused primarily just on um, Lisbon and Porto. Okay. Uh, we kind of narrowed those down to the two cities that we thought would be the best match for us. And um, I think we you know, we really appreciate the culture, the food, the climate. There's so many wonderful things to, to, to love about Portugal. Um, but also, we, uh, we love to travel. That's a, a real mm. passion for us. And there's a lot of things on our list in Europe that are... Um, and close by Portugal that makes it a great hub for launching out and getting to do some of the travel that we haven't been able to do living yes. on the West coast of California. So that was a, um, a big draw for me. And it's also um, a place where we can use our resources to do the things we want, like travel uh, rather than paying for uh, some of the other European capitals, the cost of living uh, is just significantly higher. And uh, Lisbon and Porto both still seem to have a more reasonable cost of living that uh, will let us put our money towards travel and other things. Okay. Well, speaking of cost of living, how have you found it? I know that you're only a month into your your kind of settling period. And the settling period can take people anywhere between a month up to six months. But how have you found things as, as you've arrived when it feels like Lisbon is at its peak in terms of cost, especially on the housing side, how yes. do you, you know, how do you find the cost of living right now? 
I've been surprised on uh, the cost of living, specifically about apartments, um, mm. uh, because of course we are in a temporary apartment right now. We're uh, we're uh, staying where we're going to be right now for five months, and um, as I'm looking out, what you're going to get for your money here in Lisbon, I am surprised um, by the cost of living. Now, having said that, we are uh, coming from the Bay Area in San Francisco. And so compared to that, of course, pretty much anything looks reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> but what, compared to when we started the research into Lisbon and Porto, um, it did seem like the prices were much more reasonable than they are now. Okay. And then Nick, what was kind of the, the price difference between the Bay Area and Lisbon? Like how much of a difference are we talking in terms of housing? Is it like four times cheaper or, or half as, as expensive? Yeah, I think more in line with the four, even could be okay. up to five times cheaper. Okay. So the, the prices here aren't uh, a shock necessarily to you, whereas maybe to some other people that live in smaller mm-hmm. towns or cities in the U.S. might actually be like, whoa, this is more expensive than than my town is in the U.S. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. And um, that was, yeah, part of the appeal is the the lower cost of living, but the higher quality of life, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that balance was important to us. And um, in terms of adjustment period, I think we had previously come to Portugal twice and those trips were kind of like research trips. Mm-hmm. So we we started to get an idea of what the rents cost and what food costs. And um, the last time we visited was um, about a month in the summer. And when we got back to the United States, I felt like we already had reverse culture <laughs> shock because we were so used to the, the price of groceries here. And then we went to the grocery store in the U.S. and it was like, I, I my jaw dropped. I was like, "Wait, we're paying this much for bread?" Mm. So yeah, and it's it was, not even uh, nice bread, is it? Exactly, <laughs> it's not even like that nice Portuguese bread you can get here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you know what is what's a, a grocery bill every week? I assume that maybe you shop every week or so. What how, how's it been running for you so far? We go pretty frequently. Um, okay. Every few days, uh, we kind of just get what we want for dinner and maybe the next day. Okay. Um, so we like to go pretty frequently. So it could it could run anywhere from you know five euros for a quick uh, roasted chicken and uh, yeah. a, a veggie, or um, you know if we want to stock up, it can be you know or like twenty or thirty or forty. Okay. Do you have a, a like a medium to large fridge or is it a small fridge? I think it's it's a it's a pretty good size. Yeah, I wouldn't it say is. it's a small okay. one. Okay, because uh, the first place that Kaylee and I lived when we first moved here, it was um, it was like a quasi service department, maybe similar to the situation that that you all are in, but definitely they were they were very lean with their design uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like space and everything very efficient but the fridge was akin to like a college dorm room fridge so mm-hmm. we were at the grocery store every other day every third day so i totally feel you on on what you're saying here i will say this i think it does get better where people are shopping on maybe a weekly basis after you get about six months to a year in you kind of figure out okay this is what i need for a week this is what will last because mm-hmm. i don't know if you've noticed this but produce seems to break down faster here yes um, yeah do you do you feel that as well yes absolutely but this idea of shopping on a more regular basis um is not new to us this is this is our habit in san francisco as well 
Oh, perfect. Uh, it was it was very normal for us to go to the store, the grocery store, every two days uh, to a okay. local market on the way home to pick up our uh, what we're going to make for dinner that night. That is that is um, uh, was something we're already used to doing. In, in oh, the, uh, okay, brilliant. So, okay, so and do that's you have not your local... specific in the Bay Area. It's uh, that's we just don't plan it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we definitely we we eat fresher that way, right? When you but, don't have foods that that are able to have a shelf life of, you know, four and a half years. And you know, that, that it, it goes bad after a few days because it naturally goes bad after a few days. So that's cool. Have you met like your local veg and fruit person or your butcher, or have you gotten that connected yet? Or you still need a bit of time? I think we still need some time on that. We, uh, I think we certainly know our, um, uh, we're starting to get to at least by uh, site or the people in the lo- local grocery store here on our block. Um, I have not found, I've been on the search for a month now. I've not found where I'm going to get my vegetables long-term. Uh, yep. There's, there's some, there's some that look good, but I haven't found that place that's perfect yet. Yeah. And I'll be yeah. honest with you. I haven't had the um, courage to go into the butcher shop yet only because Ooh. of my language barrier. I'm not quite ready to discuss cuts of meat uh, yeah. with a professional yet, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I totally understand that. I've I've done it a few times myself um where I've tried to go in and just speak Portuguese yeah. and I find honestly like the butchers as long as they're not busy on the day, man, they're patient and they'll explain mm-hmm. cuts and they'll make sure I think if you're interested in in getting something quality, they'll make sure that they get you exactly what you're looking for. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool in that way. Like and I feel like almost like my grandparents in the sense that I'm sure that they had their local butcher Whereas maybe like my parents' generation, and obviously for me, it's very supermarket where you just walk through, you pick up a plastic or styrofoam container that's been wrapped in a bunch of saran wrap, and that's your meat. Um, There's no relationship with, you know, who's actually getting the meat for you. Do you you feel that connection with people in that way that happens a bit more here in Portugal? I do. And I think that's something that we also were looking for um, as Mm. well. To be able to to meet um, people in our neighborhood and develop those relationships with local grocers and um, you know a local cheese shop and all of that, so that is definitely something high on our list. Um, and we've been trying to trying to visit as many local places in our neighborhood as possible, and also force ourselves to speak Portuguese as much as possible. Uh, so that's been a huge help as well. Uh, that was the next question I was going to ask is like, as you're adapting to things, what have you been doing to help you adapt? So you've just touched on language there. Do you have any recommendations on, on how to learn and how's your journey going with that? Yeah. Uh, so far, I feel like it's been going pretty well. We did, um, I think quite a bit of upfront, um, learning before coming here, which yeah. served us well, um, me in particular, I like learning foreign languages and I've studied um, other romance languages in the past. So that's definitely been a huge aid for me learning Portuguese. Um, and I think um, David has been doing really good as well. Um, he started basically from scratch, um, but his consistency and everything has um definitely paid off. And so we're both able to at least do the small chit chat um, at stores and uh, get, for the most part, we're successful in getting them to stay in Portuguese and not switch to English. Yeah. That's, that's been a, that's been a a win, I guess. It's, it's, it's definitely a win. Well done. (laughs) Cause it's so, it's, it's, it's so fast. 
when they switch from from Portuguese to English in Lisbon specifically. Like yes. I find that to be a place where it's just like, ah, we speak English better than you speak Portuguese. Let's just do this in English. Well done. Yeah. Good <laughs> for you. We live in uh, Benfica. Uh, we actually live in Sao Domingos de Benfica. Okay. And uh, it's a little more residential here. So we're not yeah. in what you would consider a touristy part of uh, Lisbon. And so um, it's not a given that everybody in every store is going to be able to speak English. And sure. so there is a very cute little coffee shop right at the corner where we live uh, that I've gone down to several mornings. And uh, nobody in that coffee shop speaks English that I can tell. Hmm. And that's been great for me. Uh, but particularly when I go by myself and Nick's not there, that's been wonderful for me to have, that I'm in a situation where I must communicate with them in Portuguese. It hasn't always been pretty, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Do you find yourself relying on Nick, maybe because he's more advanced? Absolutely. I, I chicken out all the time. Uh, okay. if, if, and he, uh, he has started pulling back at grocery stores to insist that I speak with people because it's so easy to retreat and let him handle the interaction. And uh, of course, that's not good for me. Yeah, this is something super common among couples mm -hmm. is that one will be a little more linguistically talented compared to the other. And then that person that is not so good will rely on the one that that is is better. And then no progression happens. So it's good right. that you go and, and you try it out. And it's definitely good that you have a cafe that you feel comfortable speaking Portuguese in and that you can practice there. It's, it's some of the best places to learn, honestly, and, and practice is mm -hmm. the cafes. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And it, I think what's helped us a lot is even from day one, when we landed, I always knew I could fall back on English and I, I wanted to, because it was frankly just scary, you know, yeah. um, feeling like, okay, I might get to understand what someone says back to me, but mm -hmm. I think we did a good job of forcing ourselves to give it a try. And I think even though we've only been here a month, we're so used to doing those reactions or those um, conversations in Portuguese that mm. now it's starting to just feel normal. Um, like automatic. Every, every time it's less and less scary. And so now, uh, now we feel, at least I do, I feel like a sense of a, accomplishment. Uh, so that's definitely been helpful. Well done. So I want to go back actually to the moving process that you all have. You alluded to earlier um, doing the D7 and that you're on the West Coast. So you went through San Francisco how was that process? You didn't go, you didn't go through the process that long ago since you've only been here for, for the past month. So what were some things that you noticed? Were there any um, difficulties, any, any nerves involved with how the upset appointment went? Could you give us insight on that? Sure. I would say to start with that our experience through San Francisco has been very easy. And uh, we've had no problems along the way. And I know that's not true of everybody. I know a yeah. lot of people have gone through San Francisco have had at least major delays uh, with the processing of the, the visa application uh, through VFS, the, the, the partner, the external partner that processes those applications. Um, we got lucky. And so we spent, I would say, probably about a month putting together our packages in earnest. Uh, you, have, of course, have to start long before that to get your bank account open and funded and your NIF and uh, lay the groundwork. But I would say I started in earnest on the um, applications about a month out from a February 1st appointment. Okay. And um, we were approved um, in about 68 days after that. And there are many people that I've heard from online um, in different uh, social media forums uh, who applied months before that and are still waiting. 
And I can't explain that. I don't know why why mm-hmm. the application November, December would take so much longer than the application that was submitted in February. But the process went like clockwork. We used our resources, um, some from expats everywhere. We used uh, one of your courses. We uh, used some other online resources. Um, and there were no surprises in our in our application process. Okay, so we great. Knew, we knew exactly what they needed, and uh, we were in and out of there. I, Nick, I would say about a half hour, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was pretty straightforward, but um, at least I felt very nervous because we didn't know if we had all the right documents, you know, 100%. So there was definitely that going in. Um, and yeah, not knowing if we'd be uh, approved in time because we actually had plane tickets mm-hmm. already. Yes. Um, and so that was a, another stressor that we we thought we had to buy the plane tickets um, as part of the visa application, but it turned out we didn't need them. So yeah, that's changed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so if we were going to give anybody advice on that T7 process, if you don't add that extra stressor on there, let the process play out and then book your, your travel. And uh, it's it, that was a huge stressor for us is whether or not we we're going to have to cancel those flights or okay. or, or get a temporary passport and, and fly home when it was complete, fly back to the United States when it was complete. Okay, great. And, and you felt like uh, you got the course through us. You felt like that course had you prepared in terms of the documentation and the timeline of things to to get you uh, to that SEF appointment and then on here to Portugal. Yes, because the uh, I believe it was called um, Moving to Portugal Guide. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also joined, we had some online communities where we were able to talk to other people about their experiences, which was very okay. helpful. That's kind of a real time, mm-hmm. uh, if nothing else, just to make you feel good that you're on the right track. Um, and then, of course, we, as we mentioned before, we had used uh, Lusitano uh, Dreams to uh, secure our property, which was a huge stress relief as well, because we were able to um, not have that extra stress of trying to rent an apartment sight mm-hmm. unseen. Um, yeah. So and, and, and the whole like having a housing contract seems to be a massive choke point, Yes, especially in Lisbon and Porto right now. It, it mm-hmm. seems to be very difficult to find a, a good, reliable uh, housing situation where uh, you're not paying over the odds. Although, oh man, many people seem to be paying over the odds um, anyways, but um, also making sure like you're not getting scammed because there are scams mm-hmm. out there on the different sites, including on Edilicia, which is the one that I think a lot of people go to. Yes. Um, so how was your experience with Lusitano Dreams and using that service? I think it's been very positive for us. It, um, we uh, started out by meeting with the owner of the company and we uh, felt really good about that conversation. And uh, he walked us through the process and the services they offer, which is a one-year D7 compliant lease agreement, okay. uh, several properties to choose from, and uh, the, all of the documentation that you need for the D7, uh, the year's lease, the uh, filings that need to be made with the uh, local tax offices, um, right. everything that was needed for that D7 package came to us put together already. And we right. simply took the package that they prepared for us and we put it, slipped that into our D7 application and that portion was done. Oh, nice. There was, a, there was some flexibility there. Um, we really worked with the company to talk about what our D7 timeline was going to be, which informed our commencement date of our lease, which is extremely helpful. 
so you're not paying a, uh, we were, we did not have to pay a long time before we got here. In fact, our, okay. our lease right. commencement date, um, and our uh, D7 lined up very nicely. So like I said, we got luckier than, than many people who, uh, who did not line up and ended up paying for an empty apartment. Um, mm. And then uh, somebody met us here with the keys. As soon as we landed in in uh, Lisbon, somebody met us here with the keys. They've been responsive and helpful. And we uh, I think we've had a very good experience with them. Nice. Do you feel like you're you're paying a, a premium for the service? Or do you feel like the, the pricing is correct in terms of what you get in value in return? You know, we first looked at the product. I, I would have told you it seemed like a premium. Okay. But now that I'm here and seeing the prices, um, I actually think for the quality of, of the apartment we have, uh, mm. that it's not that much over uh, what you would get on the market uh, for this apartment. Okay. So I, um, I did think it was a premium, but now that I'm here and looking for myself, I no longer feel like we're paying a premium. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I would just add, I, I think um, they've done a really good job stocking the apartment with things mm-hmm. that... Um, we're used to um, in the U.S. at least, like I don't know, mm. a standing desk and a printer that we might need for appointments. Um, yeah, even <laughs> things like sh- streaming services, like uh, there's HBO and Netflix and all that kind of stuff. Um, just all the little things are there that make it a a really easy transition. I feel like we didn't have to set up internet, we didn't have to set up any of that stuff. Um, we just kind of walked in and everything's working. So that was a huge help as well. Amazing. Well, that, that does definitely sound like a soft landing, yes. <laughs> which which maybe in four months time, whenever you all do move, your Portuguese will be even better. Your kind of mm-hmm. understanding of the way things work here or don't work uh, will be better. And then you'll be more ready to tackle getting internet, getting you know a TV service set up and those other things that you uh, didn't have to do yet. So exactly. that's great. And we'll be physically here to do those things. Right? Yeah, which is which is always really helpful because I think some people arrive and they don't have things set up, and then you just get mm-hmm. overwhelmed with that kind of checklist of of things that you have to do to make life work. Right. Getting the hot water turned on, or you know, like right. we've yeah. we've heard of people moving here where they don't have hot water for the first week or two. I couldn't yes. imagine, you know, like <laughs> <be tough. laughs> it's yeah. It's, it's it's rough. You first move to a place and you can't quite feel normal until all of those little things that we don't really that we take for granted, let's say, mm-hmm. aren't dealt with. So you flew over here from California, you arrived, you had this this soft landing. Uh what was kind of happening emotionally the first week that you were here? Was life easy? Was it was everything like or did you have any challenges? It seems like it was it was easy. Yes, surreal. I had to keep reminding myself that I'm not on vacation. Ah, (laughs) This is not, uh, this is not another trip to uh, Portugal. Um, Mm. And it uh, it was very, yeah, it was very surreal. Absolutely. But I think we, uh, we were, we've been preparing emotionally for this for a long time. We've been like looking forward to this and and, uh, looking forward to kind of reinventing ourselves in a a new city and a new country and with a new life for some time now. And so I think it's, uh, it's more excitement than anything else. How did you prepare emotionally? Well, I think the uh, a big part of it for me, and I this may be very unique to me, is that I I was lucky enough to be able to retire from my uh, job um, months before we left, 
and focus my time on shedding our U.S. possessions. Everything we owned, we got rid of. We did. We came with suitcases only. We didn't bring any furniture or anything, any electronics, except for our Mm. computers. Mm. And um, so that gave me a chance to that. That physical shedding of things Mm. was usually cathartic. And since we were still, um, uh, when we started this process, we had already sold our house, our car, and we were living with with, um, family. As we got ready for the move, um, I literally sold everything a piece at a time on Facebook Marketplace or other Mm. websites like that. Where, um, which is very time consuming, but it's very cathartic to let go of that life. (laughs) So all these things are going and we're going to start again somewhere else. It was, uh, that was very helpful for me. And Nick, how about you? Yeah, I think there's a couple ways that made the transition easier. Um, I would say one of them was that we had, let's see, maybe about three years ago, kind of during the pandemic, we were living, um, kind of in Airbnbs for a month at a time and being a bit nomadic. So we were in San Diego for a month and then Santa Barbara for a month. Um, so carrying around all of our possessions um, or, or the you know minimal possessions, yeah. um, that combined with doing the two trips, um, two research trips, I think really helped. Um, one was just the quick two-week trip all around Portugal, um, as an initial, um, like, do we, you know, do we want to do this at all? And then the second time we stayed for an, a month and we're like, let's just pretend like we're living here now. Um, and we, you know, found like our local grocery store and we, we basically just pretended like, okay, what would life be like as much as possible? Um, and so when we arrived here, it kind of felt like we'd done this before, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. because we had prepared, uh, uh, in that way. So you would recommend people that do scouting trips because there's a lot of people that do come over and do scouting trips to kind of have that mindset of let's let's role play a bit and make pretend that we're actually living here as opposed to going through the motions as a tourist and doing the touristy stuff. Oh, absolutely. Cook at home. Find a mm. local grocery store. And if at all possible, stay for a decent amount of time. Uh, you know, we were the last trip we made, it was uh, five weeks, and we were lucky that Nick's company was open to that <laughs> arrangement. Mm. But we were able to stay for five weeks, and a month of that we spent in Porto. And we, by the time we left, we had some favorite restaurants, we had our favorite coffee shop, we had, uh, we had a routine going that felt like it started to feel a little bit like home. And uh, we'd even we'd even met a few people in Porto. We even uh, had uh, begun to start making friends within that first month. And um, yeah, that was that was uh, if if you can come and stay for an amount of time where you're not just counting the days, do you have to go back to the United States? Yeah, that that is that made a world of difference for us. So if you can stay a month, I say come come and stay a month. Okay. And for me, I think too, there's a lot of unknowns when you're moving. Even just mm-hmm. moving within the country you're used to living in, but when you're moving abroad, yeah. there's so many unknowns. And yeah. to kind of have already practiced in a way um, removes a lot of those unknowns. And so for me, it was a lot less stressful because I, I kind of knew what to expect in a lot of different uh, respects. Right on. That is amazing. Uh, you guys are like seasoned pros. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what. Okay. Uh, you brought up two really interesting things, but I'm going to take the conversation in the direction of Lisbon versus Porto. Mm. 
what tipped the scales in Lisbon's favor? But I, th- I think I know, and, and I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there for the listener. Listener, here's what I think they're going to say. It's the proximity to that airport in Lisbon so they could travel to other places in Europe. David, Nick, why Lisbon over Porto? You know, I, I wouldn't say that that's uh, long-term that has been decided. Uh, okay. we start- so Porto can still win you over. Oh, absolutely. We love Porto. We, we had a wonderful time there. And, and um, uh, I think Lisbon, uh, obviously, has a, a larger airport, but, um, but also we felt like um, it was a little bit of a softer landing for us in that uh, my Portuguese isn't great yet. And as we've already talked about, a lot of people in Lisbon uh, speak uh, uh, English, which is true of Porto. Mm-hmm. But we felt like if it was we were going in to do our driver's license or uh, swap or any of these functions we have to do, even our SEF appointments, mm-hmm. um, which we didn't know at that point would be together or at the same location, sure. um, we might have better luck with government uh, offices if I was in a place where I could reliably assume that there was going to be somebody in the room who could help me in English. Okay. Uh, so language was a big part of it. It's also Lisbon is very similar to San Francisco, which is uh, mm. where we spent, where I spent almost twenty years in California, and um, not just in climate and a little bit in culture, um, but it's a you know San Francisco for a small city and by U.S. standards is a bustling city. There's restaurants and there's coffee shops and there's cultural activities and there's always something going on mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And so we felt like Lisbon might be a little more. Uh, lean a little bit more into that uh, San Francisco vibe, and we could start there. But it would not surprise me at all to see us in Porto um, in six months or nine months or next year, because okay. we did love that time, our time there. Okay, Nick. Yeah, there's definitely definitely pros and cons, and we've been kind of debating between us just back and forth, like, well, should we, you know, <laughs> try Porto again? Uh, you know, there's a, there's so many things. Uh, like in Porto, I think we like the the weather more, um, even mm-hmm. it being colder and 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 whatnot. That kind of reminds us of, us of San Francisco, um, the proximity to the Douro Valley. We enjoyed uh, visiting um, that region as well. So I think there is definitely a good chance we may uh, make it back to Porto. It's uh, it's it's another thing that I think is one reason why I keep considering Lisbon is. Um, like just the amount of meetup groups um, for networking and things like that. It does seem like there are uh, more events related to those things in Lisbon. Um, just when I did like a cursory um, uh, glance at, at the numbers, but I mean, the train we've, we've taken the train from Porto to Lisbon a few times. And um, I think it's what, like three hours. Um, so it's not too bad. I think, you know, if you need to make it to the other city, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so before we talk about kind of meetups and making friends, I do want to give you all a bit of advice, and this is advice to the listener as well. Before you decide on what football club to support, <laughs> figure out where you're going to live for the, you know the next several years, because it could be very awkward if you guys live are living in Benfica. Benfica yes. is is top one of the top three uh teams in the country and if you move from there and come up here you don't want to be a benfica fan you, you really don't we'll like you you yeah. want to you want to support one of the local clubs you, you probably really wanted to support fc porto 
But then it could be awkward if you're just, you know, you're an FC Porto supporter and then you decide to go back to Lisbon. Um, we've already bought all the all the right. We've got, got all of our you've got your gear. You've, you're right. a socio for FC Porto. <laughs> you know, you're you're a paying you know you're a paying member, and you've had your season ticket, and you've posted stuff on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, the the Benfiquistas will find you, and right, right. it'll be a bit like Liam Neeson attacking, you know, uh, an abductor. So okay. <laughs> Let's talk. We'll definitely, about, we'll definitely uh, take that advice to heart, and uh, absolutely, that, that is something we're, we're go to matches and for. wear white or black, be neutral. You know, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or actually, you know, you can wear the colors of of the home team. That's fine. Yeah. Go to a few matches, see see what club fits you best. But uh, whether you're into sports or not, um, I definitely recommend people that move here to check out a European football match and see what it's like and see if you can get into it because it is definitely a way of life in portugal for sure between football and politics um that's like all that's on tv i think yes i've I've noticed in the both the newspapers and on the online portuguese news sites uh that the sports is the top story yeah whether it's a whether it's a championship game or not it's still the top top story yeah yeah it's interesting okay so you're talking about meetups and you're talking about being able to connect with people how have you all found that this was one of my biggest fears oh sorry go ahead sure oh i was just gonna say well we actually um had a great experience when we were in porto um last year we went to one of the expats everywhere meetups um and had a great time there so that kind of taught us that it's possible to meet friends and people and it's not too hard. Um, that was one of the worries I had about moving abroad was like, how, what will my social network be like? And will I be able to start making friends? Um, yeah. so that, that helped, um, put my mind at ease for that part. I was like, okay, there's that. It's not going to be too hard. Yeah. It gets harder to make friends as, uh, as you're, as an adult, you know, we're, mm. we're so used to, um, uh, making friends when you're in school, you know, because you're with with these people all day, or in right. college, or so it gets a little harder as adults. Uh, but that was one of the wonderful things we uh, uh, we went to the expats um, everywhere meetup in Porto um, last summer, mm-hmm. and uh, met a couple there, another couple there who had relocated from the west coast to uh, Porto. Uh, to Porto. Um, and they, a few days later, they invited us out for a, a glass of wine, just said, you know, why don't you be around the corner? They happen to live close by where we are. We'll, you know, we'll talk about the experience. We'll talk about the move. Yeah. Answer any questions you have, which we thought was really nice. And so we, we met them at a little restaurant around the corner from our house. Turns out they, from our Airbnb, turns out their house was right around the corner there as well. Sweet. So we were neighbors and didn't even know it. <laughs> and uh, after we had a glass of wine and talked for a while, they said, well, have you had dinner? Why don't we just stay for dinner? And so we stayed and had dinner and talked, and then we all walked home together because they lived right around the corner from us. And by the time we got inside to our Airbnb that night, um, we realized that had been a five-hour dinner. And yeah. we just loved that. That was like that does not happen in the sure. United States. That yeah, was yeah, a yeah. that was a wonderful like welcome to Porto. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, and, and you know that's one of the things I love about Porto. Not that it, it doesn't happen in Lisbon. I'm sure it does, but it's it's a, a Portugal thing for sure that you make mm-hmm. these connections and you're afforded the time to slow down and have a five hour dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. Do you remember what what meetup you came to of ours? Like, where was the venue? It was a rooftop bar okay. in the summer. I was thinking about yeah, on top yeah, of so the, actually one that, of the malls. Yeah, that venue's closed down because the mall has is has been bought out by a, 
a big company that's going to change it. We don't know exactly what it's going to be. But there's actually a, another cool rooftop bar that's adjacent to it. And for the listener, we have some meetups coming up. So you can connect with us the way that uh, Nick and David have. Uh, so the first one is going to be a July 4th event that we're doing here in Porto. It's going to be on the Riverside. We'll put information down in the description section. And then we also have a really cool event that is going to be in uh, Lisbon on August 26th. And that event is at 630. We'll put the venue down in the description section because I can't remember what street it's on. It's at a, a cool hotel. Uh, Hotel Mundial, I believe is the, the name of it. They've got a rooftop bar up there. So when you said rooftop, it reminded me to let people know that we've got <laughs> we've got an event coming for that uh, for for that. So we'll be down in Lisbon for that, and we'll probably have another one up here uh, in Porto during the summer as well. So hope to see you all down in Lisbon. Actually, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Yep, we are planning on it. Sweet. Okay, good. So you're uh, you're classically trained musicians. How have you found the music scene in Lisbon? We uh, um, have not yet in this first month made it to a live concert yet. Okay. But since the uh, at the Kolbekian, uh, there's a wonderful concert series at the Kolbekian Museum, and uh, we got they recently did Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, and we were um, t- too slow in getting tickets for that. Of course, a major piece like that sold out right away. But because it was sold out, the Quebecian live streamed the event on YouTube. And so we were able to sit here at home and pour ourselves a glass of wine and cheat a couple of pieces of cheese and kick back here on the couch and watch the live concert. So that was the only uh, only concert we've made it to so far. We're looking forward to uh, getting to know more of the art scene here in, in Lisbon. Nice. What are some other things that you hope to tackle uh, in the next, let's say, three months while while living in Lisbon? Ooh, I think we have a we have a big list. We still need to get uh, <laughs> at least on the um, logistical side, probably private health insurance, um, okay. and uh, yeah, our SNS number, driver's license, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then more on the on the fun side, I think um, we want to do a few hikes. We want to do um, force ourselves to go to the Thalu, the butcher, and. Uh, <laughs> Be able to order uh, 300 grams of something. <laughs> yeah. And so we're not used to, you know, pounds versus kilograms and all that. Um, so, yeah, those are a few things at least. Nice. Yeah, I think we the one part of Portugal that we have not, we, we've touched a lot of things quickly um, mm. on our survey trip. But the one thing that we haven't explored at all, we'd love to explore the Silver Coast just because we did not make it there. Uh, we did our survey of the country. We had something had to give. We only had a certain amount of time. And I would like to, uh, I, you know, the, the hikes, absolutely. But we are, so we're, we're bikers when we lived in Northern California and we kind of miss that. Uh, we don't have bikes here yet. So that might be something we think about is, I think Lisbon's going to be a challenge with the bikes, but uh, it'll be good. What do you us. mean? Because the hills? Because of the hills. Yes. I think it's okay. going to be quite okay. a challenge here. Okay. Um, but uh, if we survive San Francisco on, on bikes, we can, we can survive um, Lisbon as well. So you're thinking biking as a mode of transportation versus uh, like recreational biking, mountain biking? Recreational, uh, but, uh, yeah, both. I mean, uh, okay. recreational biking around the city is a wonderful way to get to know a city. Sure. Uh, when I first moved to San Francisco, I spent almost every weekend on my bike because that's the best way to get to know a, te- a city. You're not, you, you know, you can you can cover more territory than you can on on foot. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can go slow enough to actually take in where you are and stop and explore. So I'd love to do a little biking again. Yeah, we also found um, 
when I when I so when I first moved to San Francisco, I found at a bookstore this like 52 cards uh, of walks in San Francisco. And so every weekend okay. I would take one of those cards, do a walk in a different neighborhood, learn about that. And we were lucky enough. So we actually went to the, the book fair uh, in Lisbon. Uh, that was, I think, a few days it's still, ago. It's still going on. Still going on. Yeah. Um, yes. And yeah, that was really fun. There's like a probably a hundred stalls selling books, uh, good food, but I actually came across um, 52, uh, another deck of cards for Lisbon uh, walks. So that's definitely something we're going to do probably every weekend from here on out <laughs> card and go to a different neighborhood and, and see what it's all about. Nice. That's awesome. I love the symmetry there that you have, uh, that you're able to do that in San Francisco. And a lot of people compare uh, San Francisco and Lisbon, so you can do it in Lisbon. Mm -hmm. I think it's mainly the bridge, similar yeah, color. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because the weather, the weather, like you said, is, is more like, like Porto probably. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so I know, that, um, I know that you've been here for a month, and it's probably a little early for this question, but we, we ask all of our guests this question. At Expats Everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms lives. How has living abroad, even in this past month, transformed your life? Even just the month that we've been here, I've already noticed a huge difference in stress levels. Um, I feel calmer. The pace of life um, is, is much more suited to what I'm looking for. And a lot of the Things that Portugal offers aligns with what is important to me and, and my preferences. And because of that alignment, I'm able to just, I feel like a, I'm able to enjoy the city and enjoy what I'm doing a lot more um, because of it. Cool. Yeah, I think I, I, similarly, I um, have had several opportunities in my life where I've uh, had major events that allow me to kind of reinvent who I am and what I'm doing in life. And uh, moving from you know Texas to California and, you know, and things things like this where I've I've had an opportunity to reinvent myself and so I think what I would say right now is I'm in this last month is I am hopeful and excited in a way that I haven't been um, you know for several years before the move so if it has it transformed me yet well maybe not maybe we're too new to say that this has been a transformative sure. experience for me but I'm certainly ex uh, excited and hopeful in a way that I haven't been in a long time. So what I'm hearing is, is we need to check back in on you in like six months to a year and, and sure. catch that answer. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both so much for spending uh, the past 45 minutes with us. We appreciate it. And we hope to see you down in Lisbon in August. Sound good. We're looking forward yes. to it. All yes. Right. And awesome. thank you so much. I think we've, we've, um, we've gotten so much from expats everywhere and um, it's, yeah, all, all of the resources that we've we've um, gotten um, by watching your videos and everything has, has helped us tremendously. So we can't thank you enough. Man, Nick, we really appreciate hearing that. Thank you for the feedback. I appreciate it. Truly. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad 
or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 